Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's level one adult and pediatric trauma center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters here on 830WCCO. Dr. Hilden is uh, is back. Well, they didn't know you were gone. I, I was I, gone. But but you you were on the road, but you're back. I, indeed, I was on the road. Um, I wish I could speak French better, Denny, because there's a phrase they say down in Nolens, let the good times roll. Oh, yes. I've been letting the good times roll this past week. I, um, I, I've been learning. No, I've been learning. That's what I've been doing. I've been down at the American College of Physicians, which is one of the oldest physician organizations in the country. And um, it uh, back in the day, and one of my guests, Dr. Staler, is going to like this. Back in the day, you, you were either a physician or you were a surgeon. <laughs> and, and I'm talking back in like 1890. And um, and so the American College of Physicians, to be distinguished from the surgeons of the time, were those of us who did diabetes and infectious disease and like. Anyways, it's my professional organization. We had our annual meeting down in New Orleans, and so I spend all day long in in lectures and learning things and trying to get smart, something like that. But no snow. There's no snow. It's gorgeous down there, and I'm telling you, I've had a certain number of beignets. At Cafe du Monde on Jackson Square, and we walked around the French Quarter and into the Garden District, and I've had more fried seafood than you know what to do with. <laughs> well, now you got to work it off. And we had an occasional uh, cocktail, so it was really fun. All right, really well, fun. Well, welcome back. Glad you're Thanks. safe. I made it. What's the topic today? We're gonna. It's a great topic today. We're gonna talk about transplant, specifically kidney transplant. It's Donate Life Month. And um, we're gonna talk about a program that is one of the literally the gems. Of Hennepin, um, and you maybe don't know about it, our transplant program. So we're going to talk about that, and I have two guests to help me out with that. I do want to do a couple of things, a couple of announcements before we get into the topic and before I introduce my guests. Many of you last week were listening and know that I announced a special summer of events coming up starting out on June 10th with a live broadcast of this program from Hennepin Healthcare's Clinic and Specialty Center. We're dubbing the show The Decade with Dave. <laughs> I didn't make that That wasn't up. your idea. I'm the Dave of The Decade with Dave. Somebody said, what's that? I go, well, that's me. I'm the Dave. And we've been on, we've been on Healthy Matters for 10 years. We're doing a live broadcast of this program, June 10th, 7 to 10 a.m., and we're following it up with a series, a community education series called Here for Health. 
and it's going to be a series of live events. And so I want you to go find a pen and pencil, and I'm going to tell you what the dates are. There is a date in July, August, and September where you can come down. You can learn a little bit of medicine, sort of like a little MIDI medical school. It's going to be in the new clinic and specialty center, and then we're going to break off and kind of show you around. Maybe you're interested in colonoscopies, and what is it? what happens when you get your colon looked at? Well, we're going to have some colon cancer doctors, some, some gastroenterologists who are going to talk about that. And then they're going to take you up into a colonoscopy suite and take a look at it. That's the Here for Health series. Now, um, I don't know if you got a pencil yet, but I'm going to give you four of those dates. The first one is, of course, the Decade with Dave live radio broadcast. That's June 10th, 7 to 10 a.m., and we have lined up some of my favorites. We have Dr. Laura Lafave, which you do not know yet. You don't know Laura, but she's an endocrinologist. She will be there. We have Dr. Rawad Nasser going to talk about arthritis. He has been on the show. We're going to talk to Dr. Renji Verghese. He has been on the show to talk about sleep health, what keeps you up at night. They're going to be live in the atrium of the Clinic and Specialty Center, June 10th, 7 to 10 a.m. You do need to um, give us an RSVP. It is free, 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 free. But I would love to fill the place with listeners. And so um, you're going to need to register. The other dates of the other events are Thursday, July 12th, Saturday, August 11th, and Saturday, September 15th. The two Saturday sessions are in the morning. And I won't go through what all the topics are there, but you can go and register for all four of them or one of them. You don't have to go to all. Indeed, they are free. So you register by going to hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health. And don't type out the word for, put the numeral for, here for health. Hennepinhealthcare.org, here for health. Register today. It will fill up. We're pretty darn sure. It is free. So uh, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to read from a couple of other people who have submitted comments about the decade with Dave. So stay tuned for that. But that's enough of that for now. Let's talk about Donate Life Month. I have two really outstanding guests in with me in the studio today. Um, I have Jenny Bodner. She is a clinical, a certified clinical transplant coordinator at Hennepin Healthcare. I'm going to let Jenny tell, tell you more about what she does. But let me just start up by saying, Jenny, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Great to have you here. We're gonna t- you're going to help us out learn about transplant. Also in studio today is I have Dr. Paul Staler. He is a surgeon. He's the guy who's going to do your surgery if you need a transplant. He is a transplant surgeon. We're going to talk more about, about his background as well. Paul, thanks for being here. Thanks, Dave. Let's start out with you, Paul, since you've been – uh, uh, I just introduced you. You've been around. It sounds like – let me – I'm just going to briefly say what the training that uh, you've had and tell you how you landed here. Let's see, you've gone to school at the University of St. Thomas. You've gone to school at the University of Minnesota for medical school. You've done surgery training at Hennepin. You've done critical care at the University of Hawaii. And you've done transplant fellowship at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Wow. Is that all right? Are those all the places you've trained? Those are all the places that I've trained. Yes. You're one of the most overtrained people I think I've ever had in the show. Holy cow. <laughs> Tell me how you got into transplant surgery and how that long winding path landed you here at Hennepin. Well, I think um, it all started when I was in medical school and I was rotating like we were talking about um, before the show uh, as a third-year medical student on the transplant service at Hennepin County Medical Center with Dr. Odlin and uh, Dr. Nye and uh, had the opportunity to see a kidney transplant for the first time and my eyes were probably as big as as saucers to see, you know, uh, an organ um, 
taken from someone uh, and put into someone else uh, and and you know watch them uh, recover and go on to um, have an improved quality of life afterwards. It was pretty gratifying and it was at that moment that I decided that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, um, for listeners, um, Dr. Staler just commented on two people. Um, they're, they're, they loom large in the transplant world. Um, they're doctors, uh, Mark Odland and Dr. Art Nye. I know them both really well. In fact, I think they've been in this studio before. Um, and they are, were, are pioneers in kidney transplant. And, um, and so that's who, they, well, that's who Paul's talking about. Uh, I, I remember um, being a medical student who's not a surgeon. I'm like a, I'm not good with needles. I'm you know I barely know how to you know I shouldn't say that. I barely know how to wash my hands. No, I know how to do that. <laughs> I know how. To, don't worry, listeners. I know how to wash my hands. No, but I was I'm just not um, that wasn't my my milieu if you were in the in the operating room. And I remember being in there and watching a kidney transplant, watching the care with which a, a kidney was taken from a living donor, and watching the care with which it was put in. Um, to the recipient. So we're going to talk about why you might, why people get kidney transplants and a little bit more insider scoop with Dr. Staler. Jenny, let's turn to you. You're a, you're a certified clinical transplant coordinator. You're a registered nurse who now does transplant. Tell me about your career and what you do. Um, well, I came up to Minneapolis. I was a trailing spouse and I had no clue which hospital I wanted to work at. So I tried them all and Hennepin is my home. It definitely, it just shines in the type of care and the team effort that is given to each patient. It's it's wonderful to be part of that. Um, so I was in the float bowl. I mean, ch- children were small, and then once they started growing up, I found a home at in the transplant program, and I've done many different roles throughout the my years there. And currently, I'm the living donor coordinator, and I do do some outreach into educations at health fairs and going to dialysis units or um, next a month I'm going to go and talk at a church. Um, they've just asked someone to come and explain a little bit more about transplant. So we're going to talk a lot more about transplant and what a living donor is versus getting a kidney from a person who is deceased and why you might do that and what how does that all relate to dialysis. So, so listeners, we're going to talk much more about that and you're not going to find two people who could tell you more about that topic than these two. So you're going to want to listen in for that. I want to kind of lay a teeny bit of the groundwork on kidney disease. If one of you could help me out with this, you know, what are the common causes of kidney disease that causes people's kidney to fail? And um, just say a little bit more about how common of a problem that is. Yeah, so kidney disease, unfortunately, is uh, quite common uh, in the United States. Um, the most common causes of uh, kidney disease would be uh, high blood pressure, hypertension, uh, and diabetes. Those are overwhelmingly the two uh, largest causes. Um, and as far as um, needing to go on to transplant, um, you know, nationwide there are probably just under um, uh, 120,000 people that are on the waiting list for one or more organ, but a vast majority of them uh, uh, are are in need of a kidney transplant. So, so some of them are waiting for a liver or something correct. like that. Yeah, but the majority are kidneys. Correct. So diabetes, high blood pressure, those are kind of the that's sort of the one two punch of uh, of kidney disease. Correct. And then there are a number of other causes um, uh, related to. Um, uh, autoimmune diseases uh, where your body attacks uh, the kidneys, unfortunately, or um, some uh, sometimes medications can cause the kidneys to stop working as well. 
So it's a long-term process, kidney disease. We call it – we used to call it um, CRI, chronic renal insufficiency. And then they kind of realized that insufficiency doesn't really mean a whole lot to very many people. And the word renal means even less. You know, it's not, you know, so, so smartly, some years ago, it was changed to chronic kidney disease. Everybody's heard of a kidney and disease, the word people understand. So how does one know when your kidneys need to be replaced, if you will? How, do you, how does a person know? They maybe have been told by their primary doctor, yeah, your kidneys aren't so great. You know, they, they drew some blood and your kidneys aren't so great. When does it become a problem that needs either dialysis or transplant? Well, it starts out, it can be a silent disease. Um, we do have people who wind up in the emergency room saying they think they have the flu and, and find out they're in renal failure. Yeah, somebody draws their blood or they check your urine and your kidneys just aren't working. Right. Um, but most of the time, if you at least see a primary care provider on a regular basis, they can notice your blood pressure is starting to rise a little higher than normal or you're starting to get prediabetes symptoms. And um, there's other things that are kind of show you a little bit that it's something's going wrong. But if in the beginning there is no symptoms that you, you won't know. Yeah, you, you don't know that your kidneys are kind mm-hmm. of, kind of um, fizzling out, if you will. And, and isn't it true, um, um, Paul, isn't it true that our kidneys sort of as we age, they don't work quite as well as we did when we're 20 years old, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, so fortunately, we uh, were born with – most of us uh, were born with two kidneys uh, and so there is a safety factor that is involved. But uh, correct, over time, our kidney function does uh, decline as we age. So if you are someone who has – Reach that point when your kidneys aren't functioning well enough to keep you going. And we're not going to get into this show, but um, it's, a fascinating, it's a fascinating list of things your kidneys do. A lot of um, listeners have asked me that over the years of the show. It's like, what the heck do the kidneys do? They do a lot. It's, it's more, it, they make urine, but that's not all. <laughs> you know, they, they manage your, your volume status, the fluid in your body. They manage your electrolytes. Um, they even make the substance that helps you make red blood cells. They just do – the list is extremely long of what your kidneys do. So let's just – we'll summarize that by saying you have to have a kidney <laughs> um, or, or you don't survive. So now let's, let's switch to dialysis versus kidney transplant. And then we're going to spend the majority of the show talking about transplant. But I want to talk about dialysis um, versus transplant. And we're going to take a break, but I want you two to think about that, and we're going to cover that when we come back on Very the good. other side. Very good. 37 is our Twin City temperature reading. We're in the midst of healthy matters. If you uh, uh, want to join in on the conversation, let me at least give you the phone number and the text number. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Again, 37 degrees on our way to 62 here on 830 WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of uh, Healthy Matters. We're talking, among other things, about kidney transplant, and uh, we'll give you the phone numbers and the text number, but I think Dr. Hilden has more uh, more information to impart here. Absolutely. Um, we're talking to Dr. Paul Staler. He's a kidney transplant surgeon, and Jenny Bodner, who is a certified clinical transplant coordinator at Hennepin Healthcare's transplant program. I asked them to consider the to, uh, what they might want to say about dialysis, hemodialysis or peritoneal dialysis, which is one way to replace kidney function. 
and then kind of we're going to talk about how that differs from transplant. So could somebody talk to me about what what is dialysis and when does someone consider transplant? Yeah, so uh, when your kidneys start to fail, uh, you uh, are faced with two options. Uh, one of them is to start dialysis, which, uh, as you mentioned, Dave, comes in the form of either hemodialysis, meaning that uh, your blood is actually uh, run through a machine and filtered and put back into your put back into your body. Um, or peritoneal dialysis, where fluid is instilled into your abdomen, uh, and uh, that that fluid is able to um, uh, exchange waste products, and then and then the fluid is drained from your abdomen. Uh, the most common form of dialysis here uh, in the Midwest, I would say, is probably hemodialysis. That requires that uh, most of the time you go to a dialysis center. Uh, typically, three days a week for anywhere from three to four hours per session requires that you have an access uh, way for uh, the machine to um, have access to your blood. And that is usually in the form of a fistula, which is a surgically created connection between an artery and a vein below your skin, or a uh, a catheter um, that uh, um, goes uh, underneath the skin and into your uh, one of the major veins in your body. Sounds like kind of a big deal. It works. Dialysis has been around a long time. It does keep people going. But but is it not true that um, uh, long term, what do you, how are you going to do best? Dialysis is life-saving for many people and it's a good option for many people. But in the long term, what about transplant? Well, transplant overwhelming for most people is the better choice. It it gives you a better quality of life. Um, you have more freedom. You're not tied to literally to a machine either through um, hemodialysis or peritoneal dialysis on a regular daily or every other day basis. Um, but it is not a cure. It's a treatment. There is um, a lifestyle that goes with it. You are committing yourself to taking medications daily for the rest of your life as long as the kidney, um, transplanted kidney is working in your body. And um, that means even if you're sick or on vacation, you need to get that medication into your body. So um, it, it is a, a, a treatment. It is not a cure. Right. And, and, and it sounds like maybe the upfront part of getting a transplant, there's a little more to it. You have to find a kidney. You have to get the thing donated. But beyond that, once it's implanted in your body, it just takes over the work, does it not? And you don't have to, you know, literally don't have to go somewhere three times a week. You have to take your medicines. That's a really, really good point. But beyond that, it works just like your native kidney, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. So the the big two reasons that we recommend transplant for people, and Jenny uh, alluded to, to one of them in that your quality of life is much better with a transplant. But the other big reason is that people that get a transplant live longer than people that are on dialysis. So there's a huge survival advantage by getting a transplant. You you literally are more likely to live longer if you have a transplant than on dialysis. So let's talk about the type of transplants. People, we've we've thrown a couple terms around there. I think back in the past, it was way back in the past, um, it was a lot done with with a, a cadaver. Somebody died and was otherwise healthy and, and donated, their, donated their organs. And so that's still done. But I've heard the term thrown out here a little bit, a, a related donor, a living donor. Could you talk about those two options or if there are the options for where does the kidney come from? Yeah. Well, oh, sorry. there's um, a living donor is someone who, 
could be related to you, but doesn't have to be. And there's a living. They just have to like you a whole lot. Is that the deal? <laughs> and then there's living unrelated, and that could be a fam, uh, your spouse, uh, someone in your family who's not biologically related to you. Could be a friend or an acquaintance. That's an interesting. With somebody, um, somebody said, "No, well, it's related. It's my wife." And I said, "Well, you're you're." <laughs> You're not you're not genetically related to your wife or your spouse, so that would be an unrelated donor, correct? Correct. So, what is the percentage, of, or maybe you don't have to get into specific numbers, but how many transplants are done that are from living donors versus cadavers, and then of those, how many of them are related? Somebody that you're genetically related to? Uh, probably about two thirds of the kidney transplants that are done uh, in this country uh, still do come from deceased donors, from uh, uh, cadaveric donors. Uh, and about one third of the of the uh, kidney transplants that we do come from a living donor, either living related or unrelated. So we're going to talk um, in the second half of the show a lot more about the about some specifics about kidney donation, about kidney transplant. We're going to talk a lot about the the Hennepin program because we've been doing kidney transplants at Hennepin Healthcare, HCMC, for decades. Jenny, we only have like a few seconds before the break, but when did this program start? In February 1963, we are the oldest kidney transplant program in the upper Midwest. Get out. Yes. 1963, okay, just I won't get too specific, but I wasn't on the scene yet. You know, that thing's older than I am. We've been doing kidney transplants a great long time at Hennepin. We're going to talk more about the program after the break. Um, it is Donate Life Month, and we are celebrating that by talking about the upper Midwest Um uh, oldest kidney transplant program at Hennepin. I know we have to break in about 60 seconds, but maybe for folks that joined us late, June 10th is going to be a fun day. Exactly. I'm going to talk more after the break, but on June 10th, we're doing the Decade with Dave, a live broadcast of this radio show at 7 to 10 a.m. You can meet guests. We're going to have on on-air guests right in the um, atrium of the Clinic and Specialty Center in downtown Minneapolis. The event is free, but we can't have 800 people crowding in there. You won't be able to hear anything. So we're asking for an RSVP. Go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for life. After the slash is H-E-R-E, the number four, life. HennepinHealthcare.org slash Here for Life. Go, you can register. It's up and running now to be in the live studio audience, which will be in the atrium, actually. It won't be in the studio. It'll right. be in the atrium of the right. Clinic and Specialty Center Sunday, June 10th. And then after the break, I'll tell you how you can register for the ongoing series. We'll be back. We have another half hour of the show to go. Stay, stay with us in the Twin Cities. A few clouds. Our current CCO temperature reading, 37 degrees. Welcome to Healthy Matters. Presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden. Internal Medicine Physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of uh, Healthy Matters on this uh, Sunday morning. And Dr. Hilden, for those maybe you joined us late, who did you bring with you today? I brought Dr. Paul Staler and I, dr- I brought Jenny Bodner. Um, um, these are, are um, 
a surgeon and, and nurse coordinator at the Hennepin Transplant Clinic. We're talking about kidney transplant, and I'm going to spend the rest of the whole second half of the show specifically about transplant. We try to talk about some of the groundwork about kidney disease in the first half of the show. A couple of housekeeping items. Last week at MyHealthyMatters.org, I asked listeners to tell me why you listen to this show. Um, that was a first. I did that because – this June 10th, we're having the Decade with Dave live show from um, the Clinic and Specialty Center, and several of you have done that. And I'm going to read a few of the the stories from listeners, and I promise to read some of them on the air, and I'm going to take two minutes and do that right now. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to MyHealthyMatters.org. That's the website associated with this show, MyHealthyMatters.org. Leave me a comment on the page that asks for it about why you listen to the show, um, who you are. I'm trying to get a little bit of a sense of who's listening to the show and to tell a couple of the stories. Tom, Tom did that. His name's Tom Nelson. He says, for 10 years, I'm up at 7 o'clock. I listened to Jim and the Bird, the Bird Show. At 7.15 and then Dr. David at 7.30. Then I go off to unlock the church doors, turn on the lights, and make the first pot of coffee at Mitzpah United Church of Christ in Hopkins. Tom's a listener. He's been doing that for a long time. Thank you, Tom. Gene says, I don't remember not listening to the program the last 10 years, except for the times when we were out of town. On one of the broadcasts several years ago, it included a physician who was a specialist in hearing disorders of children. I called in. I spoke to her about our son's hearing defect, which wasn't diagnosed until 1979. My question to her was about a drug and um, about being on Dilantin during the time our son was conceived. Could that have caused his birth defects? Um, she didn't have a ready answer but took my contact info, and within a few days, her reply came back positive. How wonderful to finally have an answer for our son and for us. Thank you to Jean. Kathy, Kathy Krantz says, I've listened to the broadcast from my kitchen Whenever I can for several years, it's because of the broadcast that I pushed through my dread of trying to find a primary care physician. Now, after 20-plus years of not having a primary physician, I took the leap of faith based on the Healthy Matters program and made arrangements to get started with the medicine clinic at Hennepin. The young lady who helped me asked me what my preferences were regarding a primary care physician, and my response was someone that was nice and wouldn't talk over me or bully me. She didn't hesitate and suggested Dr. Elizabeth Gels. That was three years ago, and I haven't looked back. We have a wonderful, positive relationship based upon trust and openness. It's a great feeling of relief and security knowing that I am partnered with a terrific doctor. Thanks for the show. Ten years on the air. It's great to hear from you. Thank you for those of you who took the time to tell us about yourself. We're going to do this between now and June 10th when I'm going to meet you live at the Clinic and Specialty Center for a live broadcast on The Decade with Dave. To respond to um, whether or not you can make it to that, go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for life and RSVP. And again, more comments, please, on myhealthymatters.org. Leave me why you listen to the show. Perhaps I'll read them on a future show. And for those of you who have left a comment that I didn't read yet today, I will try to get to them in future weeks. Okay, back to kidney transplant. Let's talk about the program at Hennepin. Um, and talk about, uh, first of all, it's an old program. Jenny, you said we've been around for how long? 55 years. All right. And you, and we do, um, and your job is to coordinate the living transplant, the living donor. Could you talk more about the process of becoming a donor? So if someone comes to the clinic with the recipient or someone who needs a kidney transplant, many times they'll have family and friends that come with them on their first visit or one of their follow-up visits and say, you know, 
what is it to be a a kidney donor? Can I get uh, evaluated? So there's a medical evaluation form that we fill out because we want to look at, first of all, that we don't hurt them. We want to evaluate their basic medical, um, their lifestyle and uh, what drugs they're on and, you know, what is their risk going forward to be a donor. And that's evaluated by a transplant team. After that, we have to find out if they're the correct blood type. They have to be blood type compatible. Um, and so... Yeah, okay. Aren't we all compatible with the people we're related to? I mean, seriously, are, you know, that's a loaded question. But I mean, our, our blood type, is, is, is that something that I'm not related to my kid's blood type? Not necessarily. So there's four different blood types, type O, type A, type B, type AB. If you're type O, you can only receive a kidney transplant from someone who is also type O. So That's me, all you type O's out there. If I ever need a <laughs> kidney, I'm commenting for you. All righty. If you're type A, you can um, receive a kidney from someone who's type A or type O again. If you're type B, you can receive a kidney transplant from someone who's type B or type O. And if you're the lucky AB... You can get a kidney transplant from anyone who comes forward. However, that's only the first part. Once we find out if you're blood type compatible, then we have to find out if you're tissue type compatible. Will your immune system accept the kidney from the person who wants to donate it to you? So that's called tissue typing. And that's a second um, start to find out whether or not you are, need to be evaluated to be, get a kidney donor evaluation. So I'll bet people are a bit, you know, nervous. I'm still talking about the donors here, about, you know, you know, can I do okay, you know, with one kidney? I know we have two of them, but gee, aren't we supposed to have two? How do people do, how do the donors do missing a kidney? Yeah, so we've obviously been doing uh, living donor kidney transplants for uh, a number of years, over 40 years, and there is a lot of literature uh, that we've followed these patients uh, after they've donated a kidney and what we've concluded is that, number one, for people that donate a kidney, uh, the question that always comes up, well, what is the chance that I would potentially end up on dialysis uh, down the road? And the likelihood of a donor ending up on dialysis sometime after transplanting their kidney, uh, I generally tell patients is uh, less than the general population. The reason for that is that because you're, you're uh, otherwise very healthy um, and uh, we have selected uh, people that are, that are healthy with uh, excellent kidney function and donated kidney in the first place. So what you're trying to say is that you're not accepted to be a donor if you've already got other medical problems that might put you at risk. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Yeah, there is, there is uh, um, a stringent uh, criteria to be able to to be able to donate a kidney as far as your kidney function goes and like Jenny was saying, your overall uh, health and the other medications you're on and things like that. We're going to talk about the recipients a little bit as well, but could you, Dr. Staler, talk about the, you know, we don't have to get into all the gory details, but how is the kidney removed from the donor and how, where do you put it in the recipient? You're the guy who actually does this. Where do, where do they go? <laughs> right. So uh, one of the other milestones of, uh, of Hennepin Healthcare's transplant program is that we were uh, the first program here in the state uh, to perform a laparoscopic donor nephrectomy. Uh, prior to that, donors, uh, when it came time to donate a kidney, would get uh, a incision underneath their rib cage, uh, and we would uh, take the kidney out uh, 
that way typically would require spending several days in the hospital recovering from that. Uh, but in uh, 1994, again, doctors Mark Odlin and Art and I um, uh, started doing laparoscopic donor nephrectomies, and we've been doing it uh, that way ever since. And so uh, what that requires is uh, uh, a number of approximately five small incisions, uh, and we uh, insert a camera and use instruments to remove uh, uh, the kidney that way. And the kidney is then extracted through a fan and steel incision, which is basically a C-section incision. Surgery itself takes us about uh, an hour and a half to two hours to do, and donors are typically in the hospital anywhere from uh, two, two to three days after the surgery. So that laparoscopic for the donor, the, the who's donating kidney, is a is a less um, less of a big deal than when they do it open. Are most of them done that way now, or yeah. Uh, yeah, so over I would say ninety eight percent of the kidney uh, of the uh, donor nephrectomies that we do are done laparoscopically. And so then, and then the recipient is in the same room in the next room. How what do you do with it? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's very similar to what you see on TV uh, that the <laughs> that the donor will be uh, uh, in one operating room, and we have a team of surgeons that are uh, uh, committed to taking care of the. The donor, and when the kidney comes out, uh, we uh, typically the recipient is is in the next operating room, and we and we walk the kidney next door, and then a separate team uh, uh, works to implant the kidney at that point. We have a lot more to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. Yes, very good. We'll do that. Forty three is our current Twin City temperature reading, heading for uh, near sixty two today. We could reach possibly seventy tomorrow. Right now on CCO forty three. I'm back with more Healthy Matters here again is Dr. David Hilton. Jenny, talk about, if you could, the, the, um, some of the things that you encounter with people who are worried about, don- about donating. Well, one of the first questions everyone asks me is, who's going to pay for all this? Mm. So um, all the tests that we require someone to have to be a kidney donor and during their evaluation – the bill actually comes to the Kidney Acquisition Fund, which is um, set up. It's it's part of the government. Um, it doesn't go to. It goes to a special fund that's kind of in waiting. Once that person is cleared to be a donor, then at the time of surgery, the cost of their evaluation actually gets wrapped up into the recipient's insurance. So not the donors. No, no. It should never go to the donors. We do have a texter that says whose insurance pays for the donor's cost. And and so what you're saying is that it gets wrapped up into the recipient's. Correct. The person who goes all the way through and actually becomes the donor. So sometimes people say, well, what if I can't be a donor and then I'm halfway through my evaluation? Do I get stuck with the bill then? And no, the bill all stays in that kidney acquisition fund. Even if you don't go through all Correct. the way through? Oh, okay. Um, that same texter saying, what are, what are the life restrictions after donation? Well, not really. Um, they they have a normal lifestyle again. Um, it's there's no diet changes. There's no drugs afterwards. Uh, it's basically we ask them to stay well hydrated. That's you know because they've got one kidney, not two. But they pretty well go back to their normal lifestyle. That's um. Do you have uh? How can if someone's interested in being a Donor, I, my, my son, my dad, my brother, my next door neighbor is, is, is on dialysis and is looking for, and I'm interested in just learning more. What should someone do? Can they call you or? 
Definitely. Call the Hennepin Transplant Program and they'll get you hooked up with me or someone else to um, talk about being a living donor. And you don't have to have a specific recipient in mind. You can do a directed donation if you want to donate to someone. Or you can be an altruistic donor where you just want to donate a kidney. We do both. What if I live in Glencoe or Worthington or, or St. Cloud and we have people listening from all over the upper Midwest? Can I still call you? Sure. You can start your kidney donation evaluation at any of your primary care clinics. So I would send you out uh, medical orders and the billing instruction sheet. And then so long as your primary care clinic is willing to um, work with us to send the bill to us, we'll let you do the first half of your evaluation at your primary care clinic. And actually, that's a good way to start it because that way you're working with your primary care provider that they know you're considering being a donor. We're gonna um, we're gonna take um, Phyllis's call from Edina. Is this a good time to do that? Sure, we can do that right now. Phyllis, uh, you're on CCO. Good morning. Thank you, doctors. Um, I was involved in a car accident 47 years ago, and someone broadsided me, and it took my left kidney, and they hooked me up to the other kidney, and I've been just fine. Donors shouldn't have to worry about it because. I don't. I hadn't done anything. You know, a thing afterwards. Didn't take any medicine. I have not ever had any side effects for anything. So that kidney's working great for you, Phyllis. Absolutely, Phyllis. Thank you so much for calling. See, now Phyllis has one kidney, everybody, and she's doing great. I appreciate. I appreciate your call, Phyllis, and 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 I think that reiterates the message um, that. Uh, for donors that you can do just fine. Can I, um, uh, Dr. Staler, can you answer? Thank you, Phyllis. I really appreciate that um, word of encouragement for people who might be considering um, dona- donation. Here's someone about when the, the the person's had a lot of abdominal surgeries in the past. So is there such a transplant for a person who has had such terrible hernia surgeries and whose stomach gets bigger by the day? And this text goes on to say that basically my belly's not the way it was when I was born. I've had previous surgeries. I'm getting bigger around the midsection. My, you know, Can you transplant into that person, Dr. Staler? The short answer is most likely. Uh, typically when we do a kidney transplant – we do not um, uh, place the kidney inside of the abdomen, um, but rather we place it uh, uh, in the pelvis. And so we connect it to the blood vessels uh, that go to and from your leg. Uh, and it is protected by the, um, by the pelvic bones. Uh, and we are able to avoid going through the abdomen. So if someone has had a number of uh, previous abdominal surgeries, uh, we don't encounter scar tissue because we're working in a different area. That's fascinating. You put it in the pelvis. That's correct. Here's a texter that says, I have one smaller kidney than the other from a disease when I was younger. Is that something I could donate or am I better off not? No, no, we can't give specifics. You haven't evaluated this person. But, but you know, kind of in general, if, you know, what do you think? Yeah, for the um – we, when we, as Jenny was mentioning, when we when we evaluate donors, uh, one of the final uh, pieces of the evaluation process is actually getting a CT scan of the of the kidneys and looking at the blood supply and looking at the size of the very of the two kidneys and not uh, not infrequently there actually is a size difference between uh, between uh, the two kidneys and so when we're uh, evaluating a, a potential donor we typically 
would like to uh, leave the don't we we always leave the donor with uh, the larger of the two kidneys. Okay, so I mentioned earlier, Jenny. You know, if, if people are interested in in learning more, they call you. But I didn't tell them how to get a hold of you. How do what number would a person call if they were interested in kidney transplant? If they're if they're considering being a donor specifically, well, they should call the Hennepin Transplant Program line, which is six one two. Eight seven three seven seven zero zero, and ask to speak with the living donor. So, Hennepin Healthcare has been around since like a hundred and some zillion years. We've been around a long time, but I don't think a lot of people realize that we've been doing kidney transplants since nineteen sixty three, and that is a that is a long. We didn't just set up shop last week and thought this would be a really good idea. We have a well established program dating way back to 1963. I've been talking with Dr. Paul Staler, a kidney transplant surgeon, and Jenny Bodner, who is the living transplant coordinator at our program. If you missed that number and you're interested in the transplant center and you want to talk about living donation, call 612-873-7700. We could talk all day long about this because we've only scratched the surface, and so you might have more questions. Um, And so I do encourage you to call if you are interested in learning more and talking to the living um, donor. um, And that number again is 612-873-7700. Thank you both for being here. Thank you so much for having us. It's been great having you on the show. I do want to remind you, go to myhealthymatters.org to leave your comments about the decade with Dave, how you listen to the show. I'll read a few more of them on the air next week. And register for the Decade with Dave live radio broadcast of this program from the Hennepin Healthcare Clinic and Specialty Center, June 10th. Get up in the morning. We'll have coffee. I'm trying to convince them to get pastries and other stuff too. If I can unearth some funds, I'm going to pay for your breakfast. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we want you to RSVP though so we know how many to expect. Go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for life and use the numeral for here for life. That is on June 10th. And it's going to be followed by our Here for Life Community Health Series on July 12th, August 11th, and September 15th. Those three dates. You can register for one or any of the sessions, and you can learn more about them at that same website. Next week's show will be? It's an open line. Get your general health questions ready, and I'll be glad to try to answer them. Good deal. We'll see you back here then. A few clouds now. In the Twin Cities, CCO temperature reading, 43 degrees. Stay tuned next for your money here in A3OWCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.